Chapter 13 of The Romance of Modern Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Andrea Weinman. The Romance of Modern Astronomy by Hector McPherson. Chapter 13 The Sun's Family of Comets. Of all the celestial bodies, perhaps comets are the most remarkable and the most mysterious. They are totally unlike the planets. Instead of being round, solid globes, they seem to be diffused masses. Instead of revolving round the sun in orbits nearly circular, those comets which have been proved to belong to the solar system move in enormously long ellipses, and are only seen for a brief period when in the vicinity of the sun and the earth. Among the ancients, and indeed in the Middle Ages, comets were a source of terror to mankind, and were regarded as terrible portents of wars, famines, deaths of kings, and other national calamities. A bright comet which appeared in 1066 was supposed to be a portent of the Norman conquest of England. Another, which was seen in 1456, was believed to be connected with the taking of Constantinople by the Turks. In the Middle Ages, it has been remarked, every comet was believed to be a ball of fire flung from the right hand of an angry god, and this view was by no means confined to the ignorant. We find Martin Luther and John Knox firmly believing in the direful effects of comets on the earth and its inhabitants. In the 17th century, an illness among cats in Germany was actually ascribed to the appearance of a comet. In our time, thanks to the advance of science, we know that comets have no effect whatever on the earth, either baneful or beneficial. Consequently, terror at brilliant comets has given way to wonder and admiration. A bright comet may be said to consist of three parts, coma, nucleus, and tail while faint comets only seen in telescopes generally lack the tail. To the ordinary stargazer, a comet is an object with a tail. But, as a matter of fact, comets with tails are far outnumbered by comets without tails. Little comets, which are only seen with the aid of the telescope, and which are consequently unknown to the ancient astronomers. Some comets not only lack a tail, but are also wanting in coma, and appear like round, diffused planetary disks. As was seen in previous chapters, the planet Uranus was at first believed by Herschel to be a telescopic comet, and Ceres, the first discovered of the asteroids, was also taken for a comet. When a comet is first seen in a powerful telescope, or first imprints its image on a photographic plate, it is merely a round, faint nebulosity. As it approaches the sun, if it is going to be a prominent comet, it develops the well-known tail or tails, for comets have been known with two, three, and as many as six tails. Comets are of two kinds, those which belong to the solar system and those which do not, and in this chapter attention is given to the former class. The scientific study of comets only began about the year 1680 when Sir Isaac Newton, in his investigation of them, demonstrated that they were, like the planetary bodies, subject to the action of the law of gravitation. Newton himself did not prove that any particular comet revolved around the sun. This was reserved for his friend Halley, who in 1705 stated his conclusions on the subject.
Of all the comets which have been seen by the Earth's inhabitants, the most famous is that which bears Halley's name. It was not the brightest seen, nor the most remarkable, but it was the first which was definitely proved to revolve around the sun. There have been brighter comets, such as Donati's and the Great Comet of 1811, but the chief interest in Halley's Comet lies in its regular returns at intervals of 73 or 74 years. In the year 1682, while Newton was busily engaged in testing his law of gravitation, a bright comet made its appearance and was attentively studied by the foremost astronomers of the day. Among these was Edmund Halley, the well-known Englishman who became the second astronomer royal of England. It occurred to Halley that comets possibly revolved round the sun in orbits similar to those of the planets, and that it would be useful to investigate as to whether a comet had been seen more than once. As Sir Robert Ball says, at the expense of much labor, he laid down the paths pursued by 24 of these bodies, which had appeared between 1337 and 1698. Amongst them, he noticed three which followed tracks so closely resembling each other that he was led to conclude that the so-called three comets could only have been three different appearances of the same body. The first of these three comets had been seen in 1531, while the second was observed by Kepler in 1607, and the third was the bright comet studied by Halley himself in 1682. The astronomer also noticed that bright comets had been seen in 1456, 75 years before 1531, in 1380, and also in 1305, at intervals of about 76 years. After a careful study of the comet's orbit, and of the effect which Jupiter would have in retarding the return, Halley predicted that the comet would reappear in the end of 1758 or the beginning of 1759. He knew that he himself would be dead long before its return, and he wrote thus, If it should return according to our predictions about the year 1758, impartial posterity will not refuse to acknowledge that this was first discovered by an Englishman. Posterity has not refused to admit this fact, and the name of Halley has ever since been associated with the comet. The verification of his prophecy reflects a glory on his name which will cause it to live forever among the greatest of astronomers. As the year 1758 drew near, great excitement prevailed among men of science to see whether Halley's prediction would be fulfilled. The astronomer had been dead for 16 years, but nevertheless interest in his prophecy was unabated. The French mathematician Clairaut and two other mathematicians undertook the task of calculating the exact date of the comet's return. The outcome of these researches was to show that the attraction of Saturn would delay the return of the comet by 100 days and that of Jupiter by 518 days. Men of science all over the world watch anxiously, and at last on Christmas Day, 1758, the comet was sighted by an amateur, a farmer in Saxony. The comet reached its perihelion, or point nearest to the sun, on March 12, 1759, and then disappeared on its long journey. In 1835, the comet again reappeared, and on November 15, 1835, passed the point of its path closest to the sun. Three able mathematical astronomers undertook to calculate the exact date of the planet's perihelion passage.
Damoiseau, a Frenchman, fixed on November 4th, 1835. Ponticulot, another Frenchman, fixed on November 12th. Rosenberger, a German calculator, taking account of the tractions of all the principal planets, fixed on November 11th. The perihelion passage actually took place on November 15th, a proof of the remarkable accuracy of the three calculators. In 1835, the comet was first detected at Rome and was particularly studied by Sir John Herschel, who, on May 5, 1836, caught the last glimpse of the comet with his giant telescope. From 1836 to 1873, the comet was on its journey outward to the most remote point of its orbit beyond the pathway of Neptune. In 1873, it reached its aphelion, as this farthest point is called, and then commenced returning with increasing velocity to the regions of light and heat. In November 1908, plates were exposed in the region of the heavens where it was calculated that the comet would appear, but it was not until September 1909 that it was actually discovered photographically by Dr. Max Wolf of Heidelberg. The comet in May 1910 was disappointing as a spectacular object to observers in Britain, but the public interest was unprecedented. Halley's was thus the first comet which was proved to revolve round the sun in an elliptic orbit and to be subject to the law of gravitation just as the planets are. Also, of all the known periodic comets, it is the one which has the longest period of revolution. The next comet, ascertained to be also periodic and to be a member of the sun's family, was an insignificant little object known as Enki's Comet. On November 26, 1818, Pons, a French astronomer who devoted much of his attention to the discovery of these objects, detected a small telescopic comet. The German astronomer Enki undertook to calculate the orbit of the comet and found it to be probably identical with comets discovered by the French astronomer Michon in 1786, by Caroline Herschel in 1795, and by Thoulis in 1805. Enki accordingly found that the time required for the comet to revolve round the sun was three years and a half, and he calculated that the comet would pass its perihelion point on May 24, 1822. True to Enki's prediction, the comet returned, and the perihelion passage took place within three hours of the time which he predicted. As the late Miss Clerk has remarked, the importance of this event will be better understood when it is remembered that it was only the second instance of the recognized return of the comet, and that it, moreover, establishes the existence of a new class of bodies distinguished as comets of short period. The comet returned again in 1825 and has returned ever since at regular intervals. At its return in 1828, it was actually visible to the unaided eye as a star of the fifth magnitude. In 1838, Enki made a remarkable discovery in connection with his comet. He found that it returned to its perihelion point two and a half hours before the predicted time. He accordingly put forward the theory that this acceleration of the motion of the comet was due to the existence of what he called a resisting medium, in the vicinity of the sun, too rarefied to retard the motions of the planets, but quite dense enough to make the path of the comet smaller, and eventually to precipitate it on the sun. 
This theory was held for a considerable time, but in 1868, the acceleration began to decrease, and accordingly the theory was abandoned. At its return in 1904, the comet was well observed, being comparatively bright. In 1908, however, it was very faint, and the only record of its return in that year was its image on a photographic plate. Mr. G. F. Chambers, in his book The Story of the Comets, gives the number of known short-period comets as 13. The periods of revolution vary from over three years in the case of Enki's Comet to over 13 in the case of Brorson's. It would require considerable space to describe each of these objects individually. Only some of the more prominent can be mentioned here. In 1843, Fay at the Paris Observatory discovered a comet which was ascertained to revolve round the Sun in an elliptic orbit in over seven years. Its orbit is the least elliptic of all the short-period comets. It was last seen at its return in 1895, being missed when it reached its perihelion in 1903. In 1884, Dr. Max Wolff discovered at Heidelberg a telescopic comet which was proved to revolve round the sun in six years and three quarters. Before 1875, it is doubtful if the comet was a permanent member of our system, as in that year its orbit was completely changed by the great attractive power of Jupiter. Another remarkable comet was detected in 1892 by Mr. Holmes, an English amateur. Of this comet, Professor Bernard, who carefully studied it with the great telescope of the Lick Observatory, wrote as follows. From several points of view, it was one of the most remarkable comets ever observed. At the time of discovery, it was distinctly visible to the naked eye as a slightly ill-defined star of the sixth magnitude. The remarkable fact that the comet had attained naked eye visibility when discovered coupled with the further fact that this region must have been repeatedly swept over by comet seekers to within a few days of its discovery, shows that the comet must have rather suddenly attained its conspicuous visibility. The orbit of Holmes' comet is almost circular. Another well-known comet is that known as Brooks' second periodic comet. It was detected in 1889 and returned again to perihelion in 1896. In 1903, it was again observed much fainter than before. Mr. Chambers remarks in connection with this comet, The steady diminution in the brightness is so marked that it is hazardous to predict its future. At its last return, it was only visible in some of our largest telescopes. It is due to return in 1910 and again in 1917. Shall we see it? Perhaps we shall. Perhaps we shall not. But if we do see it on either of these two occasions, it will still be leading a threatened life. For in 1921, it will again approach very close to Jupiter, and very likely that may end its career. Or, if not, it will certainly lead to a serious transformation of its orbit. Besides these comets of short period, there are six comets of long period. Westfalls revolving round the Sun in 67 years and which is again due in 1913, Pond's Comet revolving in 70 years, which returned in 1883 and is again due in 1955, De Vico's revolving in 73 years, which is due in 1919, 
Olbers, revolving in 74 years, which, first seen in 1815, returned in 1887, and is again due in 1960. Brorson's, with a period of almost 75 years, which is due in 1922. And finally, Halley's, already referred to. Thus, it is known that the solar system contains certainly 13 comets of short period and 6 of long period. Besides, it is believed that 14 other comets are also periodic. Their periods range from 5 to 9 years, but they have not been proved beyond a doubt to belong to the solar system. Besides these periodic comets, there are three, Lexel's Comet, Devico's Comet, and Biela's Comet, which were once periodic and have now either ceased to exist or have been deflected into new paths. The first named was discovered by Messier, a famous discoverer of comets, on June 14, 1770. An orbit was calculated for it by a Russian mathematician named Lexel, who assigned to it a period of five and a half years. It was, however, never seen again. Lexel found that in 1707, the comet had passed very close to Jupiter, which had completely altered its path, and accordingly he made another calculation to the effect that the comet should be seen in 1781, but again he was doomed to disappointment. He finally concluded that in 1779, Jupiter had again altered the comet's path by its enormous attraction when the flimsy cometary body again passed near to the giant planet. Lexell's comet has never since been seen. In 1844, a comet was detected at Rome by De Vico, and an orbit was assigned of 1,993 days. The comet, however, was never seen again. The most remarkable case of all was that of Bela's comet, which, after being known for years as a member of the Sun's comet family, disappeared in 1852 and was not again seen. In a future chapter, this comet, which is the key to our knowledge of the nature of these bodies, will be fully discussed. The comets above mentioned are those which belong to the Sun's system. The great majority of comets with which the next chapter deals have not been proved to belong to our system, and many of them seem to be only visitors from the depths of space. End of chapter 13